Hey guys, Matt from Gutter to Glory. Our dream is to help as many people as we can learn how to take their passion and your dreams and turn it into a six-figure life. We help you realize that you have exponential expertise that you may not know, and we help bring that out and help you take that and turn it into a six-figure income. So stop living the rat race, and let's get ready to go. All right, guys, this is Matt from Gutter from Glory, uh, sitting here uh, with Paul Foley. Um, he's the CEO of Smart Capital in Denver, Colorado, uh, also the the uh, administrator with Colorado Startups on Facebook. So uh, just sitting here, we're talking about startups and kind of the financial aspects of it. And what is really the biggest fear, it seems like a lot of startups have, the biggest question is uh, how do you get finance, where do you get the money? Uh, and kind of how that works out. You know, I know just coming from myself uh, in the beginning, not knowing where to go. So just sitting here with Paul and kind of brainstorm him, his crazy past uh, as far as like how he got here and just kind of learn from him. So um, I guess, Paul, could give us a little bit of background? Sure. How you get? Uh, so uh, Colorado Native um, started a tech company around four years ago. It was an ad tech company that did um, – for, in the ad tech industry, it did cross device and ad personalization. We ended up uh, selling that uh, relatively quickly, and then started doing angel investing because um, I was really interested in how kind of the other side of the finance table works. So as an entrepreneur, you go and you pitch these angels and VCs, and then uh, you get a lot of no's, and you're kind of curious like how this is all working. So um, I switched to the other side of the table um, to do uh, to do angel investing. I started joining um, different angel groups. And we kind of stumbled across uh, Smart Capital. So Smart Capital, what we do is we create a portfolio of 25 companies, fast growth companies. Uh, the first one is here in Colorado. Uh, they're all revenue generating. Um, they're all uh, backed by another VC partner, and we invest alongside them into this kind of portfolio fund. Okay. And for pe- people listening and everything, what what is VC and angel? I know mm-hmm. a lot of times, I think the, the first time I brought up VC to somebody, uh, or not the first time. Uh, somebody actually asked me, "Is that Vietnam?" I'm like, Viet-, "I'm like, no, dude, not not <laughs> Vietnam." And I, I didn't know what to say after that. So, VC uh, uh, is so venture capitalists. Uh, a venture capitalist will raise money from whether they're large financial institutions or other wealthy individuals, um, which are called LPs in the fund. So they'll go around, they'll find uh, large bodies of money. They'll go and say, "Hey, we're really good at investing in X, Y, Z. Whether it's uh, tech, whether it's tech companies, whether it's." If it's a well, depend but biotech, health tech, anything related to kind of these fast growth early stage companies, mm-hmm. uh, venture capitalists will go collect money, aggregate money, and then go in and invest into these early stage startups. And Angel is an accredited investor. Accreditation under securities laws mean you have two hundred thousand dollars in income every year, or a million dollars in net worth. And the reason why they're dubbed angels is because they usually invest early into a startup. Um, when they're young, and then they're kind of viewed as angels by the entrepreneur because they're kind of saving them or helping them uh, grow their company. That's just, I, I didn't know the angel. I thought angel was just literally like a term. I didn't realize it was actually like regulated then. Yeah, so, so that's kind of, that's cool. I didn't know. Yeah, there's the, so the uh, Securities Law of uh, 1933, Securities Act of 1933, um, uh, basically said if you have a, a big enough net worth or have or making enough money, then you can invest into private companies. Mm-hmm. Um Personally, I think that, like the job that came out, and I think that's a good first step um, to allowing non-accredited investors to be ha- have access to it. But the accredited investor is usually also synonymous with angel. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And then, so also kind of your background, how, how did you get started being an entrepreneur? Because I know you went to Michigan State. 
University uh, of Michigan. I'm sorry. Michigan State was our rival. <laughs> I would never go there. So you, <laughs> uh, and then you lasted, it's, it's like, understand, like seven months in the actual workforce. And that yep. was it. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's awesome. Congratulate you. Cause, uh, yeah. So thank you. I guess I had to get out. So the, so I went to university of Michigan. I was an engineering major. Um, I was kind of on the track for, I wanted to be in either high banking or financial engineering. And then I, I, um, I was at Michigan during the 2009 financial crisis where Detroit actually got hit hardest. So Detroit actually entered a, the rest of the country entered a recession. Mm-hmm. Detroit, or I should say the city of Michigan entered an actual depression. Um, and so the, I started looking as my major was going to be potentially in, in finance. I started looking into what caused it, everything related to it. And then I kind of found that um, the finance profession at a larger scale sometimes is just moving money around without actually creating value. Um, so one of the, so it switched my mentality on my future profession and I got really excited. That was also around the time when like Facebook was kind of starting and like Mark Zuckerberg was this young kid that was, wasn't too much five or six years older than me. And he's now a billionaire and like, and, um, Snapchat just started. And so you, you have, uh, you have these like young entrepreneurs that are, that are out there that are starting things that it's like, it's the cool thing to do. And so I got really involved in tech entrepreneurship. And I ended up joining Deloitte, which is a tech consulting firm, hoping that I would learn a bunch. And then it was kind of very corporate. I was there seven months before I was able to join a early stage startup called Belly, um, which is what I left Deloitte for. And so that was kind of the start of it. And that's when I started learning a bunch about fast growth companies. Um, Belly, the company, actually raised $10 million from Andreessen Horowitz. Uh, it was a really cool experience to be involved in that. I ended up leaving that for various reasons. Um, and then started doing consulting for fast growth companies here in Colorado, which then led to uh, starting my own tech company. Cool. Awesome, man. Awesome. So when when you're uh, in the venture capital side and I guess the angel side as well, what what things do you guys look for as far as companies to invest in? You know, because right? I know there's going to be people listening. Oh, how, you know, how do I do this? How, how do I do, I do this? Yeah, because yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's the biggest thing. Totally. You know? So angels, uh, so we'll, we'll go over actually the, the wider range of investors. Mm-hmm. So we'll use angels and accredited in the first bucket. So bucket number one. And when they go to invest, uh, we'll call this the likability investment for the angel. So if the angel really likes the founder or really likes the idea, there doesn't necessarily need to be a lot of traction or anything there. It's, the rounds are called friends and family round for a reason. It's usually like, okay, we're giving this person money because we're friends or family with them. And it's kind of that we like him or like them or her. Um, and then the other round, the other um, thing is, is likability into the company. So there's, there's angels and investors that will throw money at solving cancer or any, like if they're in a certain industry that's cool, and they have like a specific pain point or problem. Um, for our ad tech company, we actually raised from an angel where we didn't necessarily have a ton of traction, but we had a high level picture of what we wanted to achieve. And so the first guy that wrote us a 50K check was actually in the ad tech industry, saw, saw the initial product and saw kind of where we were going, liked us and liked the idea. And that's why he wrote the first 50K check for a company. So it's, it's uh, just likability for the actual company or the actual vision. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of bucket number one. Bucket number two, um, still angels, still accredited but they're investing for specific financial returns. So high net worth individuals or or investors just in general, so credit investors again, are looking for returns on their money. So it doesn't necessarily need to be that they like you and are friends with you or that they completely are in love with the vision. But if they see the initial revenue, they see the initial traction and the company's growing, then they're investing for a specific return purpose. So they want to, they'll be investing already in 
everything from bonds to Bitcoin to real estate to commodities to futures. It, it's they're already investing, and then early stage companies are just another asset that they want to invest in, and they wanted to do it for a return. So then they're looking for a specific return off your company. Um, so for that, if you show them a show them the initial traction, show them the initial customers, show them the revenue ramps, then those investors will invest for that reason. Now there's the venture capitalists, and then everyone buckets venture capitalists into one bucket, but it's very different. So a small venture capital firm, let's say ten to twenty million dollar firm, is going to do early stages, and is going to want to take that ten or twenty million dollars that they deploy and get a return on that. And this is what's interesting is so if you go and pitch this early stage uh, venture capital firm, you, you need to figure out why they're what they're investing in, so like what industries they invest in, what type of companies they invest in. And each one's going to be different. They focus on different verticals. They focus on different theses. Everyone has gone out to a VC specifically has gone out to other people, raised money from them, and said, "This is what we're going to invest in, and this is our thesis." Um, and so they have to. They actually have to invest legally along those lines. There's some gray areas of wiggle room, but for the most part, they they're they're stuck to their thesis. They can't just go and say, "We're a biotech fund," and then go and, and start investing in Bitcoin, because mm-hmm. um, that's not what they signed their told their LPs they were going to do. Now, then there's these large funds. So there's these huge funds out in the valley, billion dollar, hundred million dollar funds. This is what typically gets viewed as as a, as a normal VC. These funds, the only way they can make returns on a billion dollars is if the companies that they invest in with the 50, 100, however much check size is, if those companies become unicorns in the sense that they become billion dollar exits. So those VCs will then focus on how do we get you to a public company? How do we get you to this Uber level $80 billion valuation. And so they're only focused on billion dollar companies. Whereas everyone else for that, whether it's the likability angel or the angel that just wants a return on their initial investment or the micro VC fund, they're investing for much different reasons than this VC fund that wants to be a billion dollar company. Cool. Yeah. So that's definitely a lot more into it. Uh, You know, I think like some of the people that even I've talked with it uh, just seems like, Hey, just rent, run into somebody at Starbucks and you can start a conversation and he gives you a check for like 20 million. You know, it, it just, it just, I've never heard that. Yeah, happening. I don't know. It's never happened to me either. But, yeah. um, I wish that would happen. Yeah. Uh, I guess, you, you know, the show like the profit and stuff, Marcus yep. Lemonis. And uh, it just, it almost makes it seem like really easy. It just, it, I didn't realize there's that much into it actually, you know, yeah, myself. And, so and Marcus, really Marcus focus. So Marcus is a very different VC than like an Andres. So Andres Horowitz or a Sequoia, the Lightspeed are, focusing on tech billion dollar companies usually. Um, Marcus actually says he only focuses on operating cash businesses. He, I remember he came to Denver Startup Week um, and gave like a chat and he was literally talking about how he would, he never does anything software or tech related because he doesn't understand it. He looks for operating companies with revenue and cash and then he looks at ways that if he just goes in and improves the operations, then they, they get more profits and that's why the show's called The Profit. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's so. a different thesis. That's the that's the thing I would I would highly recommend to all early stage entrepreneurs is like understand your business, understand where you want to go with it, and then the financing options appear based on that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're if the the same companies Marcus is going to invest in is not the same companies as like a normal traditional tech VC is going to invest in. Mm-hmm. So if you pitch the tech VC and you have this kind of operating cash flow business, it's going to be a, a juxtaposition. They're not going to invest, but then Marcus might invest. Gotcha. And vice versa. Marcus is not going to touch software. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, so I guess, so obviously there's other avenues out there like an SBA loan and everything. Yep. Um, what is, 
is there like a big difference as far as like applying or talking to uh, traditional banks? Yep. Kind of the process and everything? Okay. Yep. So very different. So the a, a bank loan is just going to be a debt instrument where you get, you receive the money and then you have to pay it back with an interest rate over time. Uh, early stage uh, startup financing is going to be, they're going to own equity in your company. So when a VC or an angel gives you money, they're going to actually own a percentage of the company. Um, and so this is, this gets interesting because what ends up happening is as the company grows, it's not like a loan where they just, the company pays back the loan. It's now the, you, you as the investor own equity. So when the company gets acquired or sells, that's when you make all your money, but it's not necessarily, they're just going to pay you back as a loan. Would. If they start paying dividends, then you would get potential portions of the dividends as an investor. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's not the typical loan instrument that a bank would give you. The other thing too is an investor usually with the equity that they get, they also get what's called control rights. So then they can do things like have a board seat and then boards usually hire and fire CEOs. So one of the things you'll actually see in fast growth companies that raise a lot of venture capital funding is the CEO at later stages when investors kind of have more control of the company will actually move to different positions or get replaced. Um, it's like very few founders, we think of Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg and stuff, but even Steve Jobs got fired, right? But mm -hmm. you, you look at these companies, Larry Page now at Google actually had Eric Schmidt come in and run the company um, as CEO. And, Larry and, uh, I don't think he has his name, Sergey, um, started the company and then they brought in Eric and then Eric grew the company and then eventually Larry transitioned back in. So it's kind of a different uh, mindset. Most entrepreneurs are like, oh, it's my company, it's gonna be my company forever. Exactly, yeah. But uh, with, with VC funding, a lot of times investors get control and then that gives them the ability to fire and hire the CEO as well as gives them the ability to block some deals. So mm -hmm. if it's a deal that's not good for investors, they can essentially block it. Oh, okay. Um, so what, I guess a startup company, is there anything specific that would, you would recommend, uh, like a, a landscape company or something like that, you yeah. know, just a basic, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm doing a landscape business. I'm going to grow it. Uh, do you recommend them going a certain way versus like a, you know, a tech company or anything? Do you like, and just, just cause so many people have so many different business ideas, uh, like, you know, if they want to do a landscape company that, that does waterfalls or something crazy. Is that better to just go to like a SBA type loan, traditional bank loan or? Totally. Okay. So, so I, here's what I'll say. So uh, VC is like a very sexy thing right now. Mm -hmm. If you're an entrepreneur and you don't have to raise VC funding, don't. just straight up don't. Mm -hmm. um, if you're able to get a loan, which is, doesn't have any control and has a basic interest rate and your cash flow is going to be able to pay off that interest rate, seems like a much better option. Um, venture capital and kind of investment in the, the more startup realm. It's more useful for you have a huge market, so that's it's, it's enormous potential. And given your ability to scale, you're able to attack that market relatively fast. And relatively fast is like five to ten years. And so enormous markets, again, hundred million dollars, billion dollars, whatever it might be. You you look at that, you say, here's how we we're gonna get there, and then based on getting this capital, we're going to be able to go and, and tackle this market by hiring more people, doing more sales, building more product features, et cetera. And we're going to be able to scale quickly to get there. With that scaling and with that being the trajectory being there, the VC is the partner and the fuel to potentially get you to there, but it comes with a lot of costs, a lot of costs of obviously the, there's the board seat. Again, there's the, like the free, the free, you're not able to just, if you raise VC funding and you raise, let's say, Smaller amounts are fine, but let's say you raise 10, 20, 30 million dollars at say a 100 million, 200 million dollar valuation. 
like you need to now become more valuable than that um, to get the return for the investor. So it's not okay to just be a hundred million dollar company anymore if your valuation was with your financing was at hundred. So you'll see actually a lot of companies that are viable that raise VC funding would be a great 20, $30 million per year business, but they need to get to like a 500 million to a billion dollar valuation for the investors to get returns. And that's when things get go around. Now things go really well when it's like an Uber or Lyft or others where it's like you, you're able to scale correctly. You're able to, you're able to beat all the competitors that are doing ride sharing. You're like Lime or like the Lyft scooters. It's like a bunch of people are going to be potentially using this. There's huge markets and people are moving fast at it. So you got to throw a bunch of money at it to basically get the market distribution first. And then once you have market distribution, then you can kind of become this massive company. Facebook, Twitter, all good examples of what mm-hmm. kind of companies should be raising venture capital. A, a, a landscaping business is going to be really hard to scale. Um, quickly. Mm-hmm. So even though the landscaping market for the entire world is probably very large, unless you find a way to automate that, um, it's going to be really hard to become like a, a billion dollar company off of that. Okay. I could be wrong. But. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I guess one question is, is, is in Colorado, um, what, what do you see as far as any particular startups that are happening? Do you see any type of, um, trend like certain startups are kind of you know popping up i know i know california i kind of think of internet facebook silicon valley uh different areas is there anything specific to colorado that you see so colorado has a lot of uh so obviously uh the cannabis industry has led to a lot of uh hemp companies a lot of interesting um things in that space cbd etc um that's actually a a industry that's growing really really quick here uh also blockchain technology. So in the sense of blockchain is this big, everyone thinks of Bitcoin, but a blockchain is this new type of technology that basically is a distributed ledger. Um, and there's a lot of companies that are building using Ethereum and other uh, blockchains to build these new type of apps called dApps, decentralized applications. Uh, Denver is specifically, in, and Boulder has become kind of a hub for these companies with like Zcash, Gitcoin, Shapeshift, Digital Assets Data, Salt, um, there's a lot of these kind of blockchain companies that have been built and based in Denver or based in Colorado, I should say. And then you also have the SaaS, so <laughs> enterprise software. Um, there's tons of those companies that have been around for the last 10, 20 years. And then you, you have kind of these older industries that are trying to reinvent themselves, whether it's real estate, agriculture, telecommunications. Those have been like staples of the Colorado economy for the last 20, 30 years. And now we're seeing those, um, there's trying to be innovations in there with cable labs and Louisville um, for the cable industry. Anyway, the uh, level three, et cetera, Zayo, um, those are much bigger companies, but they have kind of bred this telecommunications um, innovation hunts mm-hmm. across the state. Oh. Is, in, in Colorado, is there anywhere, is there a lot of different venture capital firms around here? Not that, really. You know, okay. So there's Foundry and Techstars, which are both great organizations. Foundry is probably one of the better VC funds in the country. And then Techstars is one of the leading accelerators. Um, but other than that, there's uh, there's not many huge funds. There's Access Ventures, I think, has like a $60, $70 million fund, which is relatively actually small for a VC fund. Mm-hmm. And then you have a lot of kind of $10 to $20 million funds um, across the state, which are anywhere from like a family office, um, which is just a high network individual investing their own money, to kind of a pool of angels or credit investors that have put together money for a fund. Um, 
I would say there's tons of entrepreneurs that are moving here. Yeah. And I would say if you look at LinkedIn's job or workforce report, you'll see that there's a mass migration of people from Chicago, New York, and San Francisco. So the net gain. So it's not the most moved to place just per person, but in terms of gain, not many people are leaving here and a lot of people are moving here, yeah. um, especially from those hotbed areas. And you're getting a lot of younger entrepreneurs that just can't afford to live in New York or can't afford to live in San Francisco. This kind of Denver Boulder corridor area is becoming like a relatively good option. Yeah. Um, so then now we're getting a bunch of entrepreneurs, um, a lot of which are going to try and go for these bigger ideas. And I would say Colorado right now is underfunded. There needs to be more uh, capital. I think seed funding is starting to round out. I think there's, there's a lot of firms that are focusing on that, but I think we need to get to a, a Series A, Series B firms um, that can write bigger checks. Yeah, it's, it's weird because I, I would have thought, you know, just the, the amount of people coming to Colorado and, and the businesses and everything, I, I would have thought it would have been like a big, big spot, actually, you know, uh, but it's, it's different to... to yeah, I, I'm actually, I'm as surprised as you are. Uh, we ended up, for our ad tech company, we ended up raising from Toronto and Montreal. Hmm. We ended up raising Canada. So okay. when you, uh, there again, there's there's only a few options here locally. Yeah. And then, um, and this is four years ago. And then one of the things you have to do if you don't get local funding is you have to go to the coast or go to other areas. And so we ended up going to Canada. Oh, yeah. well, they're different, different. Um, Couple of random questions and stuff. Is there anything specific, any niches out there that you just don't like or like to work with? Or, you know, I know certain people got, oh man, I like restaurant industry or, you know, more of the tech field. But is there anything out there that's just weird or you're just like, man, I don't even want to, that's uh, cool. I can make $100 million, but never mind. So technically, we don't do anything. Uh, it's categorized in finances in categories. So it's anything gambling, alcohol, or, or cannabis specific. Um, where RLP base doesn't necessarily want. So we, we raise money from um, other, so for Smart Capital specifically, we raise money from angels. Um, and so we found that even though they know that those are potential industries, um, we don't technically invest in them. We do in, invest in hemp and CBD companies. Mm -hmm. There's a, a hemp packaging and ocean plastics company called Sand Packaging in our portfolio currently. And then there's a CBD company or CBD production company um, called Hemp Foundry out of Steamboat. And they uh, create this really pure uh, CBD isolate. And so, like, for us, CBD is, is, it has a lot of health potentials. It has a lot of other product potentials. It's not the THC is the, like, the not hallucinogen, but the thing that makes you feel high. Um, CBD is more of a painkiller. And it's, like, proven to be uh, more effective than, like, normal opioids, which are also addicting. So, uh, we, we are more than fine investing in CBD production. We're more than fine investing in hemp. Um, but cannabis, specifically alcohol and like gambling, we, we don't touch. Okay, so no crack or... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no right, no crack. No. All right. Stay away from that. All right. Um, so I guess kind of in, in, you know, rounded up and stuff, uh, What is there any advice you, that you have out there for anybody, you know, looking to start a business, looking, you know, different ways to go? Any just random stuff that you've learned along the way that maybe something just uh, people wouldn't know or wouldn't think about. Yeah, I think I think it's hard as a early, like earlier in my uh, career entrepreneurial stage, I didn't realize how much uh, variability there is in a business. Um, and so what I mean by that is, one, you can pick something that you really love doing and make a certain amount of money. You can pick something that you hate and, and make a ton of money. Um, you can pick different things. And then also each business is going to have different criteria for where you want to go. There's some businesses that you're going to want to make a lifestyle business where you just go, you start getting customers, it's producing. There's um, 
the building we're in right now, the mm-hmm. platform, there's plenty of people here that have created what's called lifestyle businesses. Yeah. Where they, they, they sell $3 million, $4 million of something on Amazon. They make a million dollar profit. They travel the world. They have like one or two employees. It's, it's just a fun lifestyle mm-hmm. business where they're never going to raise VC funding. That comes with too many golden handcuffs. Um, they're just going to go and, and sell this product on Amazon or direct to consumer. And then there's, there's these other in the startup community, Colorado startups, there's plenty of people that are going after these humongous ideas where it's like life world changing, life changing. Um, and, and so that type of business is very different. That type is you raise funding, you, you go at it, you hire a bunch of people, you're working your ass off. Um, and those are two very different, like lifestyles, personal choices. Those are two very different outcomes that you want. Um, and so it's kind of like when you're early on, you, you definitely want to kind of sit there and think like, what's the ideal outcome for, for me personally? Cause I think the founder doesn't realize how much they affect the business. And then two, what's the ideal outcome for this business that we're creating, whether it's, we should go big or whether this is going to be just a great 10 million, $20 million business. And then we, we plan accordingly to get to that point. Awesome. Awesome. Paul, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, just for your time and everything. And guys just want to make sure you go check out smart capital. Uh, and that's colorado.capital.com. Nope. Colorado.capital. Oh. So the, the dot com is actually replaced by dot capital. Oh, okay. I'm cool. sorry. Yeah. Colorado.capital. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Colorado. Colorado.capital. There you go. Sorry about that. And then Paul N Foley.com. Yep. So, all right. Yeah. You guys go check it out. Um, just thank you so much, Paul, for your time. Uh, just can't say enough. So appreciate it very much. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah, appreciate it. Right, thanks.